suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Welcome to episode number 159, memento number nine, the arbitrariness of King Xerxes, part six. Now, I know we're supposed to be talking about Xerxes, <laughs> and I promise we will, we will be soon. But we're going to make a few connections here, connections that are probably have never been attempted or thought of even before by professional historians. But this might explain why I am not a professional historian, and you are getting a piece of history as filtered through the distorted societal lens of a retired insurance salesman, no less. But there are just certain things I just, I just don't understand. So with that said, as Homer once began his story, we begin this odyssey, if you will, by opening this podcast with a few references to the late best-selling author, Jackie Collins, whom wrote in the course of a stellar career, 32 novels, every one of which made the New York Times bestseller list. More than a bit of a wild child, Collins attended Frances Holland School, a girl's school in London, where she was expelled at the age of 15, but not before it was reported, having conducted a brief affair of all things, with 29-year-old Marlon Brando. Marlon, Marlon, Marlon. You know, shades of things to come, I guess. In any event, Collins knew a few things about the intimate, intricate, kinky, and twisted affairs of men and women. She entertained for decades readers the world over, her books translated into more than 40 languages, aiming almost exclusively for, you know, to capture a, an audience that was essentially female by nature, whom lusted for more and more of her steamy tales of sexcapades. And Jackie Collins delivered. She wrote of uncontrollable lust, sexual trysts, compulsions, betrayals, love triangles, you know, fetishes, peccadillos, sensuality and sexual tension, perversions, predation, and of sexual jealousies. Her books were labeled nasty, filthy, and disgusting, and one fellow famous female author went so far as to allege that Jackie Collins had been personally responsible for creating every pervert there was in Britain. I mean, you know, strong language to follow. If so, and even so, women just could not get enough of her stuff. Collins' best-selling book, Hollywood Wives, it was a, a blockbuster sensation, selling 15 million plus copies and allegedly allowing women readers to peek inside 
like voyeur, like voyeurs, peeping toms at the twisted going-ons, the messy, filthy lives of the envied, the rich, and the famous Hollywood royalty. And since we, we shall be sashaying uh, into the truly twisted and perverse lives of Xerxes and his royal court, you can see the obvious connection here. Times may change. The human condition never does. It never does. Thucydides made this point clear 2,500 years ago. And when American psychologist um, Abraham Maslow you know, published his famous papers on the hierarchy of needs in the mid-20th century, his theory on the satisfaction of the five fundamental human needs as drivers of human behavior, he reinforced Thucydides' thoughts about human motivation. According to Maslow, human needs to be satisfied are physiological in nature, uh, include a, a drive for safety, a need for love and belonging, and the need for self-esteem and a demand for self-actualization. And, you know, exactly where the drive for titillation falls is unclear, as it seems to cross those hierarchy of needs. The modern world's hyperbolic lust for all things Harry and Meghan, Prince Andrew, you know, pedophile predator Jeffrey Epstein, and procurer, um, groomer Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, King Charles and Camilla, all that toe-sucking and tampon craziness. It's all, it's all the proof one needs to demonstrate an inordinate interest in other people's tormented sex lives lives on and will live on in perpetuity as a driver of human experience. Understanding others is confusing. Understanding oneself, well, that may be beyond human comprehension. Enter the picture, Sigmund Freud. Take the modern American woman whom claims, and as a group, they claim, and they're adamant about this, it is anathema that they be sexually exploited, dominated, or otherwise sexually objectified. This picture has been made totally clear to us. Think Andrea Dworkin. Well, just for a moment, picture her, because picturing her can be disturbing. But not a day goes by. We do not hear or read of the extent of torment women must endure in a most patriarchal American society. By way of illustration, I read, I hear, mere mention by any male in an office work environment now that a woman happens to look good in her dress or in her outfit, that is indicia alone. The offending male, though he may in no way intend offense, suffers from incurable, virulent, toxic masculinity. This is what we are told today. The man is a total lowlife pervert whom has created by his ignorant attempt to compliment a woman in this way. He's created an unsafe, hostile work environment for females for whom even now contemplation of accomplishing any occupational work product after having to endure such sexual assault in this compliment in that unhealthy office is it's just beyond them they can't achieve anything it's now impossible 
Such a detestable pervert, by the way, must be shunned permanently. Word must and will be spread among co-workers of his sin. Social media will be brought into play. The violator then must be banned, ostracized, and shunned if he is not fired on the spot as he should be by HR. Never again, by the way, to be employed by any reputable organization for the remainder of his life. He is a menace to society, to all women. As the late former uh, mayor of Chicago, Harold Washington, once said at a press conference, I mean, very pictorially, in words which even today, four or five dec- or decades later, I still don't quite fully understand. He'd been driven down to his natural knees. Whatever natural knees means, that's what should happen to the offending male complimenter whom has made women feel so unsafe. You know, women like to perpetually angry librarian Elizabeth Warren, who is, well, she's just pissed off by life in general and all the toxic masculinity that has been around her throughout her life. I say this, imagine enduring life with such an angry woman. Wow. Her husband, what a schmuck he must be, but I digress. Meanwhile, while we have all this toxic masculinity going on, degrading women, which must cease immediately, we simultaneously have the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomena going on. The film presented as an erotic, romantic drama, wherein the protagonist, a female college graduate, voluntarily, as if any modern American woman is ever completely free in a patriarchal American society. Anyway, this college grad woman voluntarily enters into your average, I guess, run-of-the-mill, sadomasochistic relationship with a young, rich guy whom loves both bondage and punishing her by whipping her naked buttocks with a belt. Now, the audience, more than 90% 90 female, they just can't get enough of all these dreams of domination by the male of the species. And I think this is so odd. I just don't get it. But then I'm not a female dreaming of having my ass whipped by a young, rich, white guy because I want and deserve such punishment. But, But this may help explain why I never wanted, for even one minute, ever to to join a fraternity where some weird older dude paddles my ass with a ping pong paddle my recompense taking the form of well i'll be able to smack some younger guy's ass with that same ping pong battle three years from now i'm not interested pal i am just not interested i guess you can say i've just never been a team player now budgeted for 40 million in box office receipts As of the end of 2022, Fifty Shades of Grey has has gross box office receipts of more than $1.32 billion and counting, even though it was originally budgeted and hoped to gross $40 million. This is proof positive that the average modern American woman is 
Hypocritical at minimum, confused at best, and conflicted at worst. Surely this S&M freak has to be a detestable, toxic male, doesn't he? I mean, Christopher Cross once sang that he was caught between the moon and New York City. The modern American woman appears to be caught in that very bizarre void between the Me Too movement and being tied up and having her ass whipped by a male with whom she is madly in love either before or after she's rushed to her latest appointment at her plastic surgeon's office. And that is a very, very strange, wigged out place to find yourself. I mean, this rush to plastic surgery fetish is made most manifest by the ample evidence that there has been an explosion in breast augmentation and just an astonishing growth rate seen in the number of women whom in recent years have willingly submitted themselves to the dangerous, risky, but always apparently beneficial alteration of their behinds in the form of the ever more popular butt implants. Their enhanced asses now make absolutely irresistibly delicious post-surgery and ready to be subjected to the punishment these women so rightly feel they deserve to be spanked or whipped with a belt by their highly aroused, highly income-earning sex partners with whom they are so engaged in deep, satisfying, loving, erotic, and sadomasochistic relationships. I mean, what is going on here? What is going on? And it was it was the singer Meatloaf who belted out, I do anything for love, but I won't do that. But if true, he's singing a tune unfamiliar to the average modern American woman who does appear ready, willing, and able to do anything for love. As Tom Petty sang, she's an American girl. Back to Jackie Collins for a moment. At last count, she has sold an incredible, I mean, just an amazing 500 million books and counting. To put this in perspective, Jackie Collins has sold more books than Michael Jackson sold records. I mean, this is absolutely outrageous. And the most amazing thing is there are really, there are no plots to to Jackie Collins' books. It's all narrative designed solely for the purposes of setting up the sexual intrigues of one nature or another that will titillate in obscene and lurid detail. And the women and men, of course, they're up to, you know, afternoon delight, sex on desktops and offices in, talk about hostile work environment, in public elevators. In fact, they're up for quickies just about anywhere. Cheat on a spouse regularly? No big deal. Sex with a brother-in-law? Okay. Sex with a son-in-law? Well, if he's attractive enough, no problem. There are no violations where there are no boundaries. Taboo? Well, nothing's taboo. And the sex as described by Jackie Collins was just so good. So good, in fact, that China's autocratic leader, Deng Xiaoping, was so rattled by it all that he suggested that her publishers should be executed. Executed! Now, there's an idea that Xerxes would certainly appreciate. And for Xerxes' queen... Oh, now there is a woman who appreciates pain. 
And we're going to be talking about Xerxes and his drives, compulsions, and the queen's desire to dish out some pain. And that will come in our next episode. We hope you'll listen and enjoy, because I certainly will enjoy telling this weird story. Goodbye. Thanks. I am in a far-off place Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys And beautiful hills Each vista something new And though my imagination has been captured My thoughts they return to you So can you help relieve me Of this burden on my back There's something wrong deep inside of me Or something I must like For I've got this worry you believe in must admit it that I'm scared So can you try to convince